Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued and ever more complex crisis. And I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Rodney Whiteman. How are you today? Good day to you, Lindsay, through the grace of God. Um, I can't say I'm well rested, but I'm rested uh, a little bit. Uh, the weekend has been uh, a little bit more restful <clears throat> after a very busy week in conference with the South African Council of Churches and um, and also the, the daily run of the parish and family life. But, you know, one has been blessed by what one has learned. And um, I'm also busy preparing next weekend God willing, I will be down in Mosul Bay, so you and I have to look for a day in next week. Mm -hmm. I'll be doing a marriage ceremony in Riversdale, and um, so I'll be away for the weekend. And uh, so I'm planning and preparing for that, making sure the service is what it should be and um, getting the, the, the couple ready and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, it's been busy, but then... Without busyness, we don't have formation and we don't get to be transformed by whatever we are busy with. Hopefully, it's good stuff we are busy with. <laughs> I trust the family. Our family are doing, we're still journeying very slowly with our own grief. Um, and then, how are you guys doing? How are you as your family? Um, we are well, uh, just under the cosh of life, admin. Um, a lot of transition happening, a lot of decisions that need to be made about next year, and yeah, it's a it's an interesting time where it's it's a time of change, and sometimes it's difficult to navigate that change. Um, yeah, outside of that, it is the twenty second Sunday after Pentecost, and your theme is the words of Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? And you have a quote here that says, a man's best helper is his maker. We will get into all of that. There's a lot to discuss, um, but please call us together with the collective prayer, and I'll catch up with you after that. Good morning to you, my brothers and sisters. The Lord be with you. Trust that you had a good and splendid week. We will be listening uh, to what is uh, called Gather Us In by Marty uh, Hogan, um, if you could go onto YouTube, you can listen to that music, Gather Us In. Um, and so we gather ourselves by the prayer of the colic, which is a, a prayer that we collectively pray as the church across the Anglican Church of Southern Africa. Let us pray. It's on the screen, so you can pray it with me. Merciful Lord. You heard the cry of the blind beggar when others would have silenced him. Give us courage to be persistent in prayer, to ask plainly what we need, and to follow where you lead. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. As the Archdeacon said, the choice lines from the readings and all the prayers are down in the podcast description. And the reading today, we're kind of wrapping up the Job story. 
is in two parts. Um, very interesting that that it gets split with a with a pause for reflection. But let's let's address the first part, which is chapter forty-two, verses one to six. Then Job <coughs> answered the Lord, "I know, Lord, that you are all powerful; that you can do everything you want. You ask how I dare question your wisdom when I am so very ignorant. I talked about things I did not understand, about marvels too great for me to know." You told me to listen while you spoke and to try to answer your questions. In the past, I knew only what others had told me, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. So I am ashamed of all I have said and repent in dust and ashes. So then there's the pause for reflection, which I will ask you about just now. But I was helping my daughter with her assignment and she's supposed to report back on the topic is the Hindus, South African Hindus. So like their traditions, their culture, all of that stuff. So my question to her was just trying to get the beginnings of knowledge where it was like, you should be asking questions about everything. So like, how did a Hindu population establish in South Africa? And then I'm naturally curious that way. So I will go and find out everything. So then I laid down kind of all the history for her. So like the, the Indus Valley and how that civilization started. And then it becomes all about trade because we only know about the Indus Valley um, from which India gets its name because they traded with Mesopotamia and there was artifacts found in Mesopotamia. Um, that related to this and then people went and searched further and then it like goes to how the Indian Ocean trade used to work and then the Europeans obviously wanted a piece of that and then the British came in and the Dutch came in and like South Africa kind of established between all of that sort of thing and then she asked me a question she was like why is this geography when it's supposed to be history <laughs> and I told her that geography is the history because only we are, we people, we can only respond to our environment. We can only eat the foods that is available in the place that we live. Like we can only build our houses, our shelters out of the material that we get there. And then outside of that, like your culture forms around your environment. And it's a link that I've realized hasn't been formed in many people's minds because many people find geography very boring and like history very boring. But it's the story of people and how people have overcome all the obstacles and reached the point to where we are. And in this story, you have a man who is now repenting for daring to ask questions. I don't think that even the payoff here, because then suddenly he's now good enough to be blessed twice as much as he had before and had three beautiful daughters and no women were better. Like stories like this always get my back up because. As I said last week, it's purposefully diminishing 
the human experience in service of this idea of a, of a grand power. Mm. That's why I think one needs to ask the question, why is the story of Job in the Bible? Would it have been easier if it was not in the Bible? Because it does raise lots of red flags as one reflect. And we <coughs> we haven't gone through every stretch of the, of the, of the, mm. of the 42 um, chapters because the reflection was really the, sto- the, the conversations between Job and God. Mm. It's between Job as <coughs> a human representing humanity and God representing the um, himself as the creator, the savior. And, and last week, and I repeat, why I would want to be a student in this class, um, engaging the the person of wisdom, um, which is God. Now, when a child asks a question, does a child ask the question out of ignorance? Because quite obviously, a child sees and hears what the environment is conversing, whether there be truth in any of it, or just assumption or presuppositions or a point of view. Um, I was quite interested in one of the clips I watched today. A judge made a made a judgment on on something, and the, the person who directs this child institution was asked if he how did he feel about the judgment was made against his workers, and <coughs> he said. The judge, that is the judge's opinion. Hmm. So the question is, does hmm. a judge give an opinion about the law? Or does a judge make a judgment on the law? So that was, that's still the, sort of a kind of a, a, a question in my, in my mind. So does this story tell us we must not ask God questions? I don't think so. The child asks questions because there's a desire to know. Now listen to what he says. He says, in the past, I knew only what others have told me. So anything that I asked about the universe, about life, about death, about anything, about family, was based on the information I received from the environment around me. And when I started asking questions about how can you make me suffer a faithful man to you? And this is the grappling, the faithful to God. And and why is there a package of suffering along the journey of seeking to be faithful? So I think I think this is the struggle we all have. This is the journey we all have. And I think that those who put together the canon of scripture was not trying to give us answers, but trying to assist us on how the journey unfolds. The fact that Job and God were listening to each other, 
the fact that they were speaking to each other, the fact that there was some form of acknowledgement from, from Job's side. Now that he's encountered God in the way that he has, um, enabled him to say, look, all the information I received around from everybody who thought they knew what it was all about, obviously wasn't um, the kind of information that would have directed me to you. But my encounter with you helped me to get there. So I'm sorry for behaving in the way that I did. Um, I'm sorry because, because I could have said things that would have pointed you out as being the bad, the bad figure in all of this. Out of this, as it were, reconciled relationship between um, God's response to, to, to Jonas, Job to hell, who have now, as it were, showed a level of wisdom that was governed by, I have now seen you with my own eyes. I've had an encounter with you. I, I have encountered your wisdom by just having this conversation with you. Um, there is a certain amount. Now, this is where I also have problems because people dive into the second section here. The Lord made him prosperous again. And so <laughs> prosperity gospel coming out of, of all of this. I am saying I'm very cautious of a reward system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, now that he's done all of this, I, I looked at this story and see that he's been blessed with family again. And I said, but what about the loss of the first family? And the grief he had to bear. So this story doesn't hold answers for me. That mm -hmm. fixes everything up. But it brings me into conversation with one where sometimes his silence gives us a sense of the journey that we are on, the mystery of the journey that we are on. And if I'm blessed again going forward, if that's what, what happens, if that comes along my way, that then thanks be to God. If, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Um, but I'm not gonna hold God a ransom to this, then if you made Job prosperous again, then you may must do that to me again. So it's in the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm. That's that's mm. the wrong approach, I think, for us reading it like this. Um, I just think that, and, and here's why I deliberately put a pause for reflection and gave the second part of Job a new reader, was to to, to bring the reading into a, a, a kind of a conversation between God and, 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 um, and Job, a kind of um, a different voice helps us then to, to listen to the second part in a, in a, in a different uh, way. Mm -hmm. So you would have noticed mm -hmm. I don't give it the same voice yeah. As the yeah. the Cessa and the and the Synaxis are two different ones, so I I I and, and this is why it's so it's so important for me to re, to to remember that um, are are my blessings and my prosperousness caught up in all of this? I mean, I was fascinated that <clears throat> everybody brought him a gold ring. Yeah. Where did I read that? Um, Oh, it was his 
uh, all Job's brothers and sisters and former friends came to visit him and feasted with him in his house. They expressed his sympathy and comforted him for all the troubles the Lord had brought on him. Each of them gave him some money and a gold ring. Now, isn't it interesting that in the prosperous state he's in, they express their sympathy, comforted him, and listen what it says, for all the troubles the Lord had brought upon him. Why is that still in there? Yeah. If Job had already, had Job had already said, "I'm sorry that I'm, I've done, I've, I've been the way that I have been talking to you like this." Um, again, my 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 sense of all of this is, uh, Job may not be talking about history and geography. Job may not have been. A, an individual historical person. Job may have been a, a type of human, a, a type for humanity that grapples with the issue of suffering when you are faithful to God. And how did this journey go? And these are similarities that we can find about this journey. It could have been fine for us just to say he was faithful, he suffered, and God blessed him. Mm. But they didn't tell the story like that. It told us that in between our story and our experiences in life, we, we, we're living in a world where others are also have a voice and an opinion and a mindset and answers <laughs> or responses. And again, we listen to them. Um, so there are nuances in this passage that it, it's, it's not easy to find a answer for. Um, and the response for, I, as I said, I struggle too with the whole issue of, do I believe simply because I want rewards from God? I really have problems with, with that. You know, now manifested in, last week we read John and James. Mm. They they mm. went out of their way to tell Jesus, he better give them what they're asking for. Yeah. The, the attitude yeah. and the entitlement. And and um, and uh, and uh, he listened to them. But he, 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 he led them and it led to arguments amongst the other guys. You know, how could you people be asking for them? But then he said, but Really, what I'm all about is not coming to be served, but to serve. So, so Job is the mystery of suffering on the journey of life and straining to be faithful to God. Um, and, and is it about us wanting rewards because we are faithful? I'm is so that what I'm so happy that you said that <laughs> because ultimately is your reward that you expect not the eternal life that is promised for someone who lives by the rules? I would like to put eternal life into this aspect. If, if the grace prayer is correct, if, if what Paul taught us theologically is correct, and I believe it certainly has got the basis of truth, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then through the means of creation, 
through the passage of salvation, grace. Um, so, so creation was about love. And because love is about creation, when creation broke down, grace was needed and not punishment um, to fix what was broken. Why? To bring us back into fellowship with God. Remember, this is what I said to you right at the beginning. When we spoke about this old theory of, of theocracy mm. and tyranny. So I, I would say eternal life is about is about being drawn back into fellowship with God and learning how to be in fellowship with God through worship, through a life of worship, witness and service in community with others. That is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to eternal fellowship with the one who made me. And that's why I go back to Layla's, is it Layla, whatever the name is? Mm. Layla said the man's best helper is his maker. Um, rings for me the kind of thing that I'm challenged by. You know, sometimes I, 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 I wonder when I pray. I, there's a favorite, the, 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 my favorite prayer, written prayer, is the tedium. Praise to your God, we acclaim you as Lord. All creation worships you. Because he said it's got everything in it. Mm. And and mm. I just I just value that. But I, sometimes I say, if I if I just say this, am I praying this? How do I actually pray this? How do I know I'm making a connection with God through this prayer? So when I say out loudly from my heart with my mind or softly within myself, praise your God. I'm calling in myself in community with others to pray. So I'm trying to get a sense of what I said right at the beginning when you asked me to start this, this program. The Lord be with you. So to celebrate God's presence now, to be in fellowship with God now, and that it's a forward movement into that fellowship. Um, call it eternal life, if that's what you want to call it. I could call it eternal fellowship with God. I don't know what words are the best, but if I look at the grace prayer, I see the, the, the rhythm and the movement. Grace saved us, loved made us, and we are made for fellowship with God. And the Spirit so brings us together. Yeah, so there's two things there. The one is, as I've always said, right from the beginning when we started this journey, is that you need to, I would like more people to internalize the idea that what you believe is wrong. So <laughs> it's like everybody can't be right, you know? If you, you can't have so many different religions, so many different belief systems and have everybody be 100% right. So it's like, that reward that you are ultimately going towards because you speak about it and you can you can actually feel the the reverence you have towards this idea of fellowship and an idea of 
going back and becoming one and being in communion with the creator. And it's like, unfortunately, it's most likely not going to pan out that way. Uh, the other thing <laughs> is that um, going back to, 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 to Job and his conversation and the one-way traffic of like God's wisdom and Job's ignorance and all of that, and then he had to atone for the thing. So it's like, if you believe in creation, you believe that God made humans in his image. And right at the top of Genesis, it's like, so that he could have someone to talk to. So it's like, as it plays out in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, um, it's more like someone to talk at <laughs> and not really talk to, because there's not a lot of grace in the acceptance of opposing thought. You know, it's very interesting that when we look at this divinely inspired human book called mm. the Bible, um, it's not just a one-way talking. I think that there is a whole lot of times when God's speaking is silence. No more profound than when Jesus demonstrated that on the cross and how it made him feel. That sense of, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So that sense of abandonment is a very real issue for human beings. I, uh, as a family, we were recording the other day um, abandonment issues with, with one of our children because the hospital at her age wouldn't allow us to stay over the evening. So she saw us come in the morning and she had, she fretted when we had to leave her. Yeah. At that yeah. stage of her life and at that stage of our life as parents, we had no clue what impact that would have had on her going forward. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why or have you abandoned me? I think that's a very real moment of what humanity feels like. But also, it's a moment what God feels like. Because we as human beings, our, the history is clear. We have abandoned our, our creator. The sun and the moon and the stars and all of the, 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 the um, all that makes up the universe in its dynamism hasn't responded to creation in the way that we as humanity have, to the level that we even try, we even try to destroy the earth with our with our behaviorisms. And if if that's what humanity is about, destruction. I mean, I think that all that you are saying, the end is about is about reconciling life. It's about ending life on a good note because you sought to live life. For me, that's the step of eternity. That's how <laughs> I will do that. So, 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 so when, when, Job, when Job says, I am so ashamed of all that I have said, he reflected on, you know, was the way that I approached this verbally 
and in my thinking the right way? Have I thought about it in a in a in a in a, in a helpful way? <clears throat> and until I've seen you with my own eyes, that hasn't been clear. Mm. Because the information I received doesn't help me to see it in that way. So so one then begins to see <clears throat> that repentance is about reconciliation. It's about knowing that something went wrong somewhere. And in mm. order to, 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 to reconcile, we, we have to put in there, you know, the debit and the credit in order to bring balance, in order to, um, to end on a note that will give the next step a positivity. Which is how I understand how you how you share this whole thing. So if the end is the end for us and there's nothing called eternal life, let the end therefore be that I've reconciled with all that I've gone through. And as I said mm. to you, that's where mm. I see eternity. That's what I believe is the fellowship that we enter into, the mystery that would be for us right now. And it's into that. And God does not even say a word. It's like um, I, I, I absolve you of your sins. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> there's a silence here. God acts according to this. The Lord made him prosperous again. Yeah, but that's a that's the writer who, and, and I I I I must uh, the other point where I also enjoyed the fact that you you said it that way where Job may not be a historically accurate like person uh, but a character that embodies kind of a lot of different traits among the hebrews at the time the christians and it, it's but humanity of, but humanity. of humanity. <laughs> and the hebrew faith and the hebrew faith the balance between the faith and the humanity isn't it yes um, and, and that was an editorial choice uh, that uh, the writer decided to make, the author decided to make here. And in that same vein, you have to read it as somebody's idea, somebody's experience, somebody's thoughts that they decided to convey in a certain way. And like, this might be a bit ranty, but like I get very misunderstood by a lot of people because they think I'm trying to tear down the faith, your faith. I've been characterized as me being the devil and <laughs> trying to make you sway. Um, and it's not <laughs> like that. It's <laughs> Don't I believe this is the beginning, the beginning, your, your, has, your point has always been and you came up with the title. This is about exploring faith yeah. in crisis. But I hope that it generates interest in exploring faith, no matter what the circumstances are, because the journey of life is a challenging one. So when you talk the way you talk, it's exploring the matter of your faith too, what you believe. Yes. And, and, and my engagement with you is not, you tearing me down, it's me being able to understand where I'm coming from in response to this. About in, 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 so I have nowhere felt you've 
hold on my faith because we're exploring faith. Mm. And, and by exploring faith, is we're literally saying we're exploring God, our understanding of God in a world that has been ravished now by COVID. Because, mm. it, yeah, it, 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 it adds an extra thing because, like, <laughs> um, we we address the, the theocracy thing sl- slightly where like the the hebrew reading which is from chapter 7 verses 23 to 28 talks about um jesus <coughs> being without sin and it ends with the law of moses appoints men who are imperfect to be high priests but god's promise made with the vow which which came later than the law appoints the son who has been made perfect forever and it's it's an issue for me that, and we, we we explored it last week as well, where you get people who understand the faith, who have been schooled in the faith, who then get given leadership roles. And it's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> like, what makes you different from me? Like, in this kind of conversation, we pretty much equal. And there, therein lies a lot of the fear in people that I've seen, where it's the shock of how can you talk to father like that? Is and the it's like, for them, yeah? how can father allow you to talk to him like that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly (laughs) so that's usually like the the first thing is like people are expecting me to be struck down by lightning at some stage Uh, i know this is a thing (laughs) if you are listening and you're hoping about that um there are clouds brewing um you might get lucky (laughs) i don't think so though science doesn't work like that but it, it it's it's that idea of now you have rodney whiteman as a leader of multitudes of people and people look to you and there's an expectation placed on your life from them and that is formed by these kinds of things where it's like in the past there was the law that appointed imperfect men but now that you have the model of Jesus to follow and you've walked the path of theology to get where you are now, you must be perfect as well. Are you okay with that expectation? Well, I, if, if Jesus is the incarnate God, God with us, God embodying who we are, then Jesus, whom, G- whom the Father said from the voice from heaven, which was heard at his baptism and of the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So all of who God is, is in Jesus. We experience, we're exposed to the mystery of who God is, the nature of God in the Son in Jesus. And so when we therefore read the 
the the continuum of God in of the Old Testament coming out in the New Testament, what we now encounter in Jesus Christ is God no longer at a distance, but mm. God with us. But also we embodied our condition as humans, a condition that was meant, you know, if we take back to the words in 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 in, um, in Genesis, God saw what He had made, and it was good, hmm. not perfect, but good. And so now God seeks to bring that by redemptive acts through Jesus Christ, and the way that He chooses to do that is to embody embody our humanity, our brokenness, <coughs> and to then in redemption. Uh, bring it to that part where we experience in God's spirit the sustaining of this life that God seeks to um, sought to have done right from the beginning. Um, and so Jesus, for me, is the one in whom I find who God is for me and for the world. Um, I, I, I read a correlation between the way, using your words, the way the author chooses to conclude Job's story with, with God's silence and yet God's speaking into the repentance of Job. So I'm going to choose again a word that for me is very dangerous uh, because of its misconceptions. And words are dangerous because it can easily be misconstrued. Mm. But the Lord made him prosperous. And then it goes on to verse 12, the Lord bless. A correlation between God's response to what Jesus um, was able to do. Now, the, the, in Hebrews, we find a very strong comparison between the high priest that Moses chose based on the law that God had given and that same concept in what God really wants the high priest to be. Ultimately, everything we want in a leader, such as this desire that Israel had to have a king because the other nations had a king, what the people did not see is that their actual king was God. But they did not want to embrace that idea. They wanted a human to, to be their king. And of course, even the famous David fell short of that, uh, that perfect model that God would be. So here we have the high priest who, um, who, who did <coughs> the things to, to help the covenant people back to being the covenant people and did the rituals that he did. Um, Jesus now, of course, um, we do know where the altar was divided, what well, the altar was separated by the, the curtain. The, the curtain. <laughs> we have the image of the curtain breaking up, being torn on the day of, of the crucifixion. So this high priest, um, as as you as you read last week, the, uh, according to the order of Melchizedek, mm. 
this holy priesthood. And Jesus in embodies both what the priesthood was intended to be. Thy priestliness was intended to be um, by God himself. But he does so in the embodiment of humanity, which humans on their own could not be into. Jesus came to them. Of course, that's mystery. I'm speaking as mystery and therefore faith, and therefore I believe. Hmm. Um, what did he do that the high priest could not do? Well, he gave his life. Um, it's called here a sacrifice. Once and for all. So we don't need to go and do sacrifices every day or once a year as they did in those times. Because God perfected what <coughs> was allowed through the processes of getting the covenant people back to him in Jesus Christ. Because God embodied us and embodied, embodied our needs, the condition that we were, and brought about in that the graceful work of salvation through Jesus Christ. I see this God as I think one of the Greek, um, the Greek uh, um, philosophers understood God to be the hound of heaven pursuing us. <laughs> always seeking after us. Going back to the image of the garden, Adam, where are you? God seeking fellowship with us. God making every attempt to meet us in our brokenness and seeking to bring about salvation. So I see the blessing of God um, in response to to the, the to to the to the to, to the to the effort of repentance, a, a continuum of what we see in Job's passage this week, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and and you know um, that's where we we meet the gospel message. Jesus then, so based on all that the Hebrew writers has said, he. Jesus then is the high priest that meets our needs. But now with you having that example to follow and everybody knowing the example because yeah. they can read the Bible and projecting that expectation on you, how do you respond or handle or internalize that pressure on your humanity because i believe in a shared humanity and because i believe in the priesthood of all believers when we worship together i don't see myself as the only priest in the room i believe by virtue of my theological understanding that every baptized person is ordained Baptism is an ordination. And if you look at the, the beautiful way in which the, the, the baptism service 
articulates this. And if I have your permission yeah. to just read, to read that into the script this week, where the welcome is done. That welcome is eternally, I'm going to use that beautiful word. It's eternally important. The, the welcome starts with the marking with the cross, the sign of the cross, the giving of the Christ like the candle, and then the words of welcome. Through baptism, God has received you into God's church. So we welcome you into the family of the Lord. So there is equality already. Um, we are together members of the body of Christ. So I don't have a higher status than you simply because I'm ordained. But I but I base that on and 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 um, Mark chapter chapter 10, 45, 44, 45, where Jesus says, <coughs> I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, is a very key um, text that governs the way I understand the, this high priestliness. Mm. It doesn't put me on a pedestal, and neither do I seek accolades, because I'm walking with those who are baptized, and even those who are not baptized. Um, we are children of the same Heavenly Father. And we are inheritors of the kingdom of God. We welcome you. I'm not so sure whether we often live this out. We say it, but is it done so in practice? Because you can hear the way we talk, um, how there is a sense in which we create separatisms, such as mm. children mm. and adults. Mm. You know, now I, so I, I understand. I mean, I, <laughs> I've been listening a little bit to this nine-year-old professor from India born in the United States who just received in our country the Da Vinci Institute's, um, um, what do they call that? Um, some acknowledgement that he's received. Yeah. He spoke very interesting about um, how the educational system is where the problem lies. And you know what his motto was about three things he mentioned that the educational system should have within it. He, and his emphasis was to create a better world. This is a nine-year-old with mm. a brilliant mind. We need to teach love. We need to teach empathy. Mm. And we must teach our children how to be imaginative, mm. how to be creative. So... <clears throat> So those three things really just, you know, touched me. But when he spoke about it, he spoke about it in the sense of community. A nine-year-old telling learned adults that taught systems of education, mm. which he says has broken people down rather than built people up because it lacked three things. A nine-year-old saying, you taught us 
out of all the study and research you've done, but your systems lack love, empathy, and imagination. So you haven't taught us how to create new ideas from old ideas. So the Old Testament is, as it were, the old idea being rethought, uh, rebooted in the new, in the way God really wants to be with us in fellowship. Um, the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when we go to the Gospels, see how we how we lived out this holy high priestliness. Where was he? On the streets. In a place called Jericho. Mm. Talk about history and, and geography. <laughs> <laughs> Where does life matter? Yeah. In a place where people live with a history. I want to look up this word Jericho, Jericho and I'm, I'm, I'm preempting you in the in no, terms no, of the, no, no. I was going to spend very little on this because I was fascinated about the different ages associated with a place called Jericho. The dynamic of the different historical ages, yeah. eons of, of time. The amount of history that went on there. And one of the things that this particular article that I read said, when, and, 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 and Jericho is, the fact that Jesus was in Jericho was for a very limited time, but he spoke one of his best known and referred to parables of the Good Samaritan on mm. the road mm. leading between Jericho and Jerusalem. Where, which was frequented by priests and Levites mm. and gangsters. That captures the geography and the history of, yeah. of that. Ge geography is the history of the world and we live in the world and we respond to that history. It's like the thing of science is then our understanding <laughs> of the way the world works so that we can recreate things so it's like the british wanted they didn't smart to trick all the way up to india to to go get sugar and cotton so they were like there's a mountain range here in up along the east coast of south africa that traps the microclimate around this like on the seaside because of the warm ocean as well makes it the same as it is up there like in the indus valley where you had the himalayas and it was causing the same kind of effect so we could grow sugar and cotton here like they do yeah. over there and then let's just bring the people who farmed it there and work the land here to do it here so that we don't have to go there and like yeah. through that, you also there was one where where um, I actually made the connection where the houses there was very sophisticated houses that they built um, these early people built in the in the Indus Valley where they orientated the the openings like windows and stuff 
Um, so it was multi-story um, structures with straight-edged bricks and everything. It was fascinating. They had like sewage systems as well. It was insane. Um, but they orientated their houses so that they could be, they could take advantage of that cooling breeze coming down the mountains, um, and it acted as a natural air conditioner um, for the homes. And then I was, then I explained to her, it's like, if you didn't understand the science, you would be open to making up a story that there was a god sitting on top of that mountain, blowing this wind down the mountain to make your life a little bit easier. And she was like, but Brahman does that. And I was like, exactly. <laughs> the understanding that God provides. Yes. Uh, but right. yeah, it was more, uh, my, my motivations were a little bit more, I think in this context, sinister is the right word than that, where it's trying to plant in her the understanding that these are made-up stories that humans have used to relate the world and to continue traditions and to pass on the culture that was formed by the environment. But the environment and creation is a revelation yeah. oh, wow. of, of creator. The and question we... Who provides this? Because because these people whom you were speaking about so wonderfully understood the power of the gun. It's the gun that made them come. And they had the wisdom and the knowledge of the environment and how to plant and all of that kind of stuff. But they were ruled by a gun. They understood the power of the gun. Yes. They were blinded and fearful because they, they were ruled by a power. Yeah. A very destructive power. That if there was any form of resistance, they would die. This power of the gun was from the English embraced Christianity. Indeed. So now there is the clash of the gods. Brahman does a wonderful thing. He provides an environment that we can grow stuff that is healthy and good, not only for our nation. <coughs> Somebody discovered that it can be a benefit to the world, but they used the power of gun and they came in the name of Christian God. And so I wonder what went through the minds of those, of those slaves yeah. who really yeah. were the scientists of the day. The environmentalists of the day, they didn't abuse the environment. Mm. Now, where am I leading to this? Jesus, years a blind beggar, who was literally blind. The only way he knew how to survive was to beg. Was there in this busy place Jericho, um, place for blind people where they had to beg for survival. And when he cried out, the beggar cries out for help, <clears throat> those who didn't need to be in that position 
sternly orders him to be silent. Now, isn't it interesting that the words that we are introduced to about this blind beggar is that he, he is Bartimaeus. Bar means son of Timaeus. Hmm. Speaks to his genealogy, speaks to his humanity. And who does he cry out to? Jesus, identified as the one from Nazareth, his place of birth, mm -hmm. his genealogy, but also by a messianic title, son of David. A messianic title that ties him to a human king mm. whom God embraced. I found this fascinating when I read it again, how broken humanity appeals to a Messiah, one chosen to say, one who comes to embrace our broken humanity. God himself who comes to bring us victory over the things that make us struggle. It was this appeal from the blind man out of desperation. Yeah, I think I think that that there is a measure of desperation in all of us to survive. Um, and of course, a beggar hasn't got a fixed income. Yes. He's relying on the mercy of people. And of course, the mercy of people only goes so far. What was he really asking mercy about here? Uh, the dollar that he gets in or the cent that he gets into his to his Watson doesn't take him to the hospital to fix up his blindness and takes him out of his bigger situation. So why was he appealing to Jesus? Did he perhaps hear we now in the 10th chapter of Mark? Is it possible that news Jericho being the, the road between Jerusalem and 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 between Jericho and Jerusalem was quite a busy uh, people always on the move, so stories would have leaked out, stories would have been told and mm. shared. Um, how he made a connection with Jesus as the son of David, um, what, what was what was Mark introducing Jesus, as Jesus now journeys towards the cross. Remember, we are now mm. no longer around the Sea of Galilee, we're going towards the cross with our Lord. So why did he start seeing uh, Jesus and call him the son of David? Um, which is also a very interesting um, um, theme that he brings in another way of, of looking at Jesus. Um, here, uh, definitely feeding to his, you know, David, the powerful king. A king has got, um, has got powers yeah. um, that could afford mercy. He, would David be seen as a merciful king? I think that in some ways David would be, perhaps not to the enemy, but to the people. Except that if you were married to the woman he wanted to marry. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. <laughs> but what I find far more fascinating is that Jesus himself doesn't go to, to the man, but he tells the very people who shut him up to bring him here. What was he trying to instill in them by doing that? Was he trying to get them to understand that we have to address the plight of the poor? 
that um, you've got to be part of, you've got to be collaborative with God in addressing the social issues of the day, of the generation, of the time. Um, and I want you to be involved with. It. So in a way, Jesus drew them into uh, listening to this call, as you say, call of desperation. And listen to how they now say, take heart, get up, he's calling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so suddenly there's a change of heart in them. But coming to the theme that I chose was not so much that Jesus presumed that he knew what the man was asking for. I think this was a very empowering tool in which he was saying to the man, you are asking for mercy, but what exactly do you think I can do for you? Mm-hmm. And here he now again refers to Jesus in a different way. My teacher, let me see again. Who opens our eyes to knowledge and to the world of geography and history and maths and science and life and all that? It's the the teacher, the teacher who is create, who is creator, and as Leila says, man's helper is his maker. Indeed, I I glossed over this very quickly because um, I I like we've read the story, we've heard the story, and I. I don't stand by the depictions of the miracles as like being for certain individuals um, because there's a lot of conflicting stories where it's like the apostles were also sent out and they healed the sick and let the lame walk and like all those things they were empowered to do that. So for me, this is a very throwaway story and I'm glad that you picked out the one teachable moment there um, where it's like the the reason, like the importance of calling the person there and then the very people who told him to shut up were the people who then were instructed to get him to Jesus. So I'm 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 happy with that. Um, yeah, this is just another. It's for me like this is throwaway kind of <laughs> miracles of Jesus. Like I don't. For it's it's more important in the journey towards the cross that we realize the political influence Jesus had at the time because he was a radical political leader and whatever the belief system is around that um, where whether or not he was the son of God all of that thing he was a symbol of an idea of an ideal that has become a net good for humanity the idea of universal love and acceptance. The beliefs in all of the other supernatural power stuff, to me at least, has caused the issues where people have invoked 
their superior, and I'm making air quotes, faith, knowledge of the faith as the sort of power to lord over others because they have been ordained, they have been chosen specifically. And like, I knew we were moving towards this point. That's why I asked last week or the week before about how you experience your own calling because of the, the Hebrews passages. Um, and this week about how you internalize that um, responsibility, that expectation that is placed upon you. Because it's important for people to understand that priests are just human. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And with the, with, the, with the elections on the way, it's about understanding <clears throat> that these people aren't different from you and we all bleed the same. We all use the bathroom. <laughs> it's 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 having it's looking for other symbols of leadership, other markers of good leaders, their humanity, the way they internalize, the way they articulate their influence that we should be looking for and not just this guy has a gun or he says he was ordained by God or, you know, <laughs> like beyond that, there should be more like human traits that we're looking towards our leaders. And then, of course, when you when you follow Jesus to the cross, the teacher doesn't only open up the eyes of those who need to see the road ahead. He also needs to open up their hearts to believe that to that which is which he is leading them to. That though it will be challenging, he calls them to deepen their faith every step of the journey they take. So in other words, you can't go to the cross purely based on the fact that he's done a social good by giving sight to the blind, you now no longer will be a stat on the street as a beggar. Mm. He's calling the person to far deeper um, ex uh, uh, experience of mercy, um, which is to deepen the faith as the journey of the cross begins to become more eminent, because it's the cross that's going to tackle all the other stuff. And so the call of the journey to the cross um, and to follow Jesus is a call to faith, a call to believe, even in the impossible. Um, even though the, 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 the impossible takes longer in our sense of time to become the reality. Um, we it will come because that's the reality that God offers for us. It is what God's response is to, like repentance in Job is an act of faith after an encounter with God. Um, so too, in, we as <coughs> religious leaders are meant to encourage people in their faith in Jesus Christ by what we teach. Uh, so that in embracing 
who Jesus is. They may be able to do what Jesus did here in the world where there's blind beggars. How do we deal with that social ill, that social challenge? How do we bring the cross to speak to that? How do we speak? How do we bring the resurrection to that? How do we bring the brokenness in the body and blood of Christ? When at the end of our services, having having built up faith from the fact that we are in the presence of God, not just in the church, but in the world, which perhaps don't want to celebrate God's presence, uh, we then bring God's presence by our lives um, through, through living by faith in mercy. Being those who will not sternly quiet people down, but call them to take heart, to get up. Uh, because of the call of Jesus, because of the call of God, not to lay in the ashes of hopelessness. Um, and that is why we are called at the end of the service, as we dedicate ourselves to God, Father Almighty, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Send us out into the world in the power of the Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. And then we hear at the end, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And how do we go? How do we live in the name of Christ? name of the one who says your faith has made you well continue the journey now don't give up on the journey what did you want me to do for you to restore something that's far deeper than your than your eyes it is your faith um in the living god and i think that's, so that's the gospel <laughs> and I think that's a good place to close off on this week. Thank you very much. This has been another thought-provoking <coughs> conversation. I do please appeal to all our listeners: um, get in touch with us, send us your comments, send us questions. Um, if you want to jump on and have a discussion, please do so. But also, all South Africans aged 12 and up are now eligible for the vaccine. Um, you do not really need to register. You can arrive at the site with positive identification and you can proceed and do your bit for civil society. Please get out there and get vaccinated and reduce the risk of death from this virus. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. Let's, let's just call all of what you're saying into prayer. As we think of the church and our leaders and all our people, who are called to proclaim the gospel of Christ, that we may indeed be united in truth, that we may live together in your love, O oh Lord, and reveal your glory in the world. As Bartimaeus asked for mercy, so we pray, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We are still mesmerized, Lord, by the beauty of the earth, and yet we do realize how easily we have destroyed things. So revive in us a reverence for all of your creation and enable us to become worthy stewards of these gifts you give us. And like Bartimaeus, we ask, Lord, have mercy upon us. Hear our prayer. As we think of leaders across the world, National leaders, political leaders, governments. We think of Cyril in very peculiar situation. Um, Lord, having to lead a country 
in the shadow of Mr. Zuma's leadership, in the shadow of corruption, in the shadow of, of many things that have led us away from, from, from really truly being what we envisioned when we called for justice and peace. So we ask you in this time when there is local elections, those Lord who are wanting to be leaders, we saddened by the fact that there's another person was killed in the KwaZulu-Natal area. And we think of the volatility in KwaZulu-Natal and other areas of our country around elections. Even in Swaziland, Lord, there is, there is people have died at the hands of brutal government forces. And the challenge of democracy diminishing, a dictatorial leadership, our please, Lord, for those in power to listen to the plea of those who, like Bartimaeus, walks the streets and calls for mercy, justice, truth, and peace. Please hear that call. Oh, you who heard the call of Bartimaeus for mercy. And yet I'll pray. Yet I'll pray for matriculants, Lord. This is also a social issue of huge um, impact. These young people, Lord, are the leaders of the future. <coughs> May they take their exams seriously. We thank you for that nine-year-old professor. May he be a symbol of, of inspiration for our children writing their exams. And so God of our creation, you created us with the intelligence, the ability to learn and study in the world to prepare and write our final exams. Thank you for the support of parents and family, educators and wider community. Help us to know that we are created and redeemed for a greater hope, for a greater good, purpose to work for your kingdom's goals for the common good. So all to all matrix, Lord, keep them fervent in this task. In the name of Jesus. Lord, as we think of family life, we know that there are various experience of what it means to be a family today. Some have parents, caring and loving, supportive. Others have a single parented families. COVID has taken the lives of some parents and now children are orphaned. Often those in poorer communities having to look after themselves with a limited amount of resources and no government support. Others are families that grannies and grandpas have to look after. Lord, give grace to all whose lives are closely linked with ours. And also, let us remember we are part of a bigger family. May we serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. We know that there are many, Lord, in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity. And we do remember those who've been bullied and tormented by others. <clears throat> The issue of violence against women, Lord, continues to be a reality. 
people have even timed it to 26 seconds a woman is abused and violently raped, murdered even in our country. We struggle, Lord, as Job struggled to understand how all of this works itself out. And we do question you. Why does this happen? But we look to you as the one who strengthens and comforts us, the one who will restore the sense of dignity and the one who will cause justice to happen. So we continue looking to you as we pray around the COVID issue, Lord. There are people who are resisting, but there are people who are contemplating whether the virus is good or not. Sorry, the vaccine is good or not, oh Lord. When we started out, we prayed to you, the author of life and the savior nations, realizing how humbling COVID was and how it caused many to die, many of our loved ones, Lord. But at the same time, there were recoveries. There was compassionate care. And then the vaccines came. We are caught between gratefulness and resistance. We plead, Lord, that there will be a sense of looking at the bigger picture, not just thinking about ourselves. And whatever fears exist, even in the face, Lord, of facts and good research, here is where we plead for compliance and for the common good. So to those who suffer, give courage, healing, and a steadfast trust in your love. Let us not forget those, Lord, who are right now in hospital because of cancer and other life-threatening illnesses, which as a result of COVID has often need to be put on the back burner. But help them to know that they are not forgotten by you. So like Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. We cried, Lord, hear our prayer in your mercy. There are those who have died in the last week and in the last 24 hours. Some have died of natural causes. Some have died as a result of old age. Others have died of untimely and horrible deaths. But they are your servants, Lord. <coughs> we remember them with thanksgiving. Now that they've entered into your eternal care, according to your promise, grant us with them a share in your eternal kingdom. So we thank you for the saints and for Mary, the Virgin Mother of our Lord, for patriarchs and prophets and martyrs. Many of our ancestors, Lord, have gone before us. We commend ourselves and all Christian people. No, no, also all people, Lord, of other faiths that have no faith to your unfailing love. So, merciful one, Accept our prayers for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you bless Africa, so we pray your blessings on all continents. 
that you may guard our children and guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Continue to bless those, Lord, who are celebrating this week that is coming birthdays and wedding anniversaries and other forms of celebration. Continue pouring your love into their lives by your availing presence. Jesus, son of David, as you heard the cry of Bartimaeus, so hear our cry to you, who came to give your life for us. And so we conclude with our service through this means of a podcast in which we explore exploring our faith. With thanksgiving in our hearts, we hear the benediction and the commissioning. Go out with your eyes open to the presence of God and follow Jesus on the way. Bring in the richness of God and enjoy the strength of the Lord. And may God give you a long and full life. May Christ Jesus open your eyes to the wonder of life. May the Holy Spirit fill you with the faith that makes you whole. Sisters and brothers, let us go in peace with courage. As Jesus did when he walked the roads of Jericho. To love and serve the Lord. And in the name of Christ we go. Amen.